0: All right, well, good morning. Y'all hear me? Uh, so uh, I don't know whether to apologize or to thank you. <clears throat> I love this place, E.T., the church of whatever. <laughs> oh, Chris. I do want to thank our praise team this morning, uh, Lauren and Ashley and Alana and Vicky and Johnny and John and Wes. They lead worship for us every Wednesday night. Out in the youth building, they do an amazing job, as you can see. Uh, So I want to thank them so much for that. Uh, Yeah. Also, just a public service announcement. For those of you who don't know, it is allergy season. Uh, If I fall over from lack of oxygen because I can't breathe, just say amen, call the praise team up, go on about your business. Uh, (laughs) Surely we have enough medical professionals in the building to resuscitate me. And bring me back up because it is, you know, it's funny when you wake up every morning and you see the high pollen, He's like, mm, thanks, dude. You know, like you wouldn't already live in it. But let's pray and we'll get started in this. Heavenly Father, I come to you thanking you, Jesus, for this morning. God helping you, asking you to help us now just to, uh, uh, Father, to breathe in you. God, to, uh, uh, to block out the stuff from the week, Father, from the day, from this morning. Um, and God, just to enjoy You, Father, to be expectant of what you have for us today. Father, to be expectant of of the goodness and the revelation of your love that you have for each and every one of us. And, Father, to thank you for that. God, I pray that uh, that our worship doesn't stop just because the songs are over. God, that through through your word and, Father, through the rest of this service, God, and, and as we leave this place, that worship just consumes us. God, for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. Father, help us to say indeed that it is well because you are still on your throne and you are still in charge and the waves and the wind still obey your voice. I love you, Jesus. I love Evangelistic Temple. I thank you for this place. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So we're gonna be in Acts chapter five today. So if you wanna follow along with me, I'm kinda gonna hit the high points. Going through here is a lot to cover, uh, but it's such an amazing, such an amazing story of God. And I love reading these things. I love reading these things of God and just seeing how he, uh, how he orchestrates and how he, the links that he goes through to make sure that his will and his purpose is, is furthered and his kingdom is is made famous. <clears throat> so in Acts chapter five, what we see here is the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit's working through the hands of the apostles, Peter and the, and the, and the rest of the apostles. And it says that many signs and many wonders were taking place among the people. Scripture says that they were all in one accord. And that's probably a message for itself at a later date, just being in one accord, God's people being of the same mind. How, how rare is that in today's time, that all God's people were of the same mind? Usually we're trying to further our own agendas, trying to make ourselves famous, and we do. That's lots of times that's our focus, but here we see God's people saying, "You know what? Our our purpose here now, our desire is to see Jesus made famous, to see Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' kingdom furthered." And and that's exactly what was going on. It's amazing what happens when we come in with that mind of Jesus first. He's seen, things happen, craziness takes place, and and the good news of Christ is is actually blowing up at this time in Jerusalem. The church was growing; Uh, multitudes, it says, were coming to know the Lord multitudes were, were coming to, to, to uh, be a part of the church. It says the sick were, were being carried out into the streets so healing could take place because there wasn't room inside. They were carrying them out in the streets. People from all over Jerusalem coming together, seeking the Lord for, for, for healing, both spiritually and physically. And that, it says they were receiving just that. And it's funny, Luke 11, 9 says, seek the Lord and you'll find him. I don't think those words were, <laughs> I don't think that was just a saying. I think that's truth. Seek the Lord and you will find him. A tremendous movement of God was happening here in Acts 5. And and man, lives were were just being changed. It's revival. That's what's taking place here. Revival. Webster and all the smart people at Webster's define revival as a state of being revived. So if y'all want some information for the day, that's what it is. Come on, dude. All the brains you got working for Webster's, that's the best you could come up with. What revival means is bringing back to life to restoring consciousness, to opening eyes, to, 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 to seeing things for what they really are. And, and here in Acts chapter 5, it means being made alive in Jesus. And this is an amazing picture of what revival should look like. Revival should look just like it does here in Acts chapter 5. And I would have loved to been able to see that with my eyes, just to see the things happening here. But as it always happens, a movement of God seems to always meet resistance. And I think we can all testify to that, can't we? The more God moves, many times the harder life becomes, and Scripture says that the high priest and some of his associates became jealous at what was going on here in Acts chapter five. And and what better way to than try to stop what Jesus is doing is an attack the ones who are furthering the message of Jesus. So they go after the messengers. They lock them up. Acts five seventeen said they laid their hands on them and they placed them in jail. Acts 5.19 says, though, that God's plan will not be stopped, even though men were doing their best to do that. Acts 5.19 says that during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates to the prison. It says, removed the apostles from the jail. And as this angel was taking them out, he gave them a command. He said, go. He said, go, stand, and speak to the people in the temple. This whole message of life. I love that. This whole message of life of life. Sounds a lot like to me like Matthew 28 when God gave his command for the saints to go. It says go therefore and make disciples, right? Of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, teaching them what? This message of life. This gospel of Jesus that we talk about week in and week out here in this place. The simple message of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing. And then finally, who we are in Christ. And that's exactly what the message of life is. And I love it because it's so simple. If it was complicated, just think how bad we'd mess it up. But yet here it is. The message of life is so simple. And I love it because it's not a message of trying harder or doing more. Because we can never get to that place. We can't do enough. We can't try hard enough. We will fail every single time. And I also love that it's not some religious task list. It's not some 12-step program that if you do this, you'll get this. It's not the message of life. The message of life is simply the gospel of Jesus. And that's what they're doing here. That's what the apostles are teaching and preaching. Acts 5.21 says that upon hearing this commandment from the angels, they stopped what they were doing and they went back into jail. That ain't what it says at all. We know that. What does it say? It says they entered the temple. They entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach again. This same message that they were just arrested for, that they were just in prison for, here they are at daybreak preaching the very same message to the same people. Do you think they believed in what they were preaching? Seriously, do you think they believed it? Absolutely they believed it. But not only did they believe that they had been a part of it, they had witnessed it, they had lived it. Every one of these disciples, these apostles had had their lives impacted by this message of life that they are now preaching in the temples. They were witnesses of it. Not only did they believe it, they lived it. But the high priest and his associates still think that they got an upper hand in all this. I love what God does through God's people. <laughs> so what do they do? They go to try to get them out of the jail cell take them in front of the court, right, to see what punishment is going to come on. But what, what did they find when they got to the jail? They didn't find the dudes they was looking for. They found the prison still locked up. They found the guards still in place. But what happened to these rule breakers, these, these men of, you know, disregarding the law, where are they at? They're in a temple preaching the same message that just got them arrested. About that time, one walks in and says, hey, those guys you locked up? They're standing in the temple preaching the gospel to the people. So what do they do? Let's go arrest them again. We're going to do this again. This is going to work this time. You know, what's the definition of insanity? We all know it. <laughs> Continue to do the same thing, expect a different results. Let's go arrest them again. It's going to take place this time. They're going to be able to stay. Come on, dude. The captain of the guards proceeded to go back to the temple. They arrest them again. They brought them back before the council and says, we gave you strict orders. We told you. We gave you strict orders not to continue preaching this message in this name. Did y'all hear that? In this name? Hmm. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And it may be one of the most complete and powerful answers to a statement in all of Scripture made by Peter. Let's read in Acts chapter 5, verse 27. It says, when they had brought them, they they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned him, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Pretty powerful statement in the face of possible death. Right? We must obey God rather than men the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and as a savior to great repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him we must obey God rather than men. You know, it would have been very easy at this time and, and way safer for these men to heed the commandments of these men about what they were supposed to be doing, to, to cease this message of life that they were spreading. But they knew that wasn't their mission. They knew that that was not their calling or their purpose their calling and their, their purpose was to be and to do all the things that God had given them the tools to do. And that's exactly what they did. They obeyed God rather than the men. Acts 5 goes on to say what happened to these men of God. <clears throat> it says a man named Gamaliel, a Pharisee, teacher of the law, stands after the apostles' answer to the commandment and says to the council and the high priest, we need to talk about what these men are doing. Finally, somebody with some sense steps up and talks to the people who are in charge and say, hang on a minute. Let's think about what's happening here. He asked the apostles to be taken outside and then he warns the council, men of Israel, you better take care of what you propose to do with these men. He says, in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone for if this plan or if these actions are of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, and then, or else, you may be fighting against God Himself. The council took his advice, and after flogging these men, which I know was not a pleasant ordeal at all, they were ordered not to speak once again in the name of Jesus, and they were released. So we know now that these men left Jerusalem never to speak the name. No, come on, man, you know exactly what they did. God's plan for these men and the message that they had been delivered to spread was not going to be stopped by somebody. It was not going to be stopped by some threats. Scripture says that each and every day they went house to house and even in the temple teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Without fear, without worry of arrest or trial or jail or even flogging. Even unto their death, because because we know most of these men were martyred later in their faith for this very same message, house to house, even in the temple, preaching the name of Jesus after man told them that they couldn't. It's an absolutely amazing story of someone who believed in Jesus who believed in the message of the cross, who who believed in his plan, God's plan for his kingdom and to see his name furthered, to believe in the life-changing grace and love that Christ offers. These men lived it every day without fear, without regard. You know, as I read these stories in Scripture, I can't help but to think about the times we live in now and the things that we as Christians find ourselves fighting against on a daily basis. You know, we as a church, we as as saints, as Ephesians calls us, we, we face some of the same stuff today. We're not being arrested as of yet. Not being jailed as of yet, but it won't be long. You see, Solomon tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, so things of the past will become things of the now, sooner or later. We as members of the church are under attack by so many different things. These forces of hell that come against us who were chosen and called to spread his kingdom just as these apostles were, his church. The enemy will stop at nothing to surround us with these bars of life that intend to stop what God is doing in his people. And these bars take the shape of many things. And you, can, you, you can identify with some of these lies, listening to lies and how that brings us down, how that surrounds us and pull, holds us captive How about feelings of unworthiness or or these people, and we all know them, bless their hearts, whose only intention in life is to stir up drama and to see their own agendas furthered instead of that of Jesus? How about those that that face ridicule? As we as Christians, we still face ridicule these days. We face persecution. You know, the church in China is actually praying. I I may have mentioned this before. I know I did in youth. The church in China actually prays for the church in America to be persecuted as they are. Thank you. But that's the truth because what they go through every day in the name of Jesus, they want everybody to understand that. I'm sure it'll strengthen your faith. We get persecuted. We get isolated. Truth is a lonely place sometimes. We face temptation and we face laughter at the hands who know nothing about this Jesus that we know and love. We feel the pressures to live up to standards. And this is not only outside the church, this is inside the church. To live up to standards and expectations which other people put on us. Those are prisons in themselves. You know what? Because we will never live up to the expectation of somebody else. You can't do it. It's not possible. That's why we have Jesus. He met the standards. He met the expectations. But yet we still have those placed on us by people inside and outside the church. We deal with feelings of guilt and shame, knowing all along that those things were taken care of on the cross. Man, what a tool the enemy has if he can make somebody feel guilty or shameful of what they've done. That completely removes you from the people of God. Makes you want to hold up in the bed, suck your thumb. It just does. That's a great tool that the enemy has, and we allow that to happen, knowing the whole time that Jesus said, I died for that. It's handled, it is finished, it is taken care of. still brings being brought back up. Suffering, stress, sickness. Guys, we can list stuff for 14 days in here of the bars and the prisons that we find ourselves in. They take the shape of many forms. And the enemy will use anything and everything to hold us back. To hold us down. To push us down. To get us to listen to his misleading. To his lies. To his stuff. Drawing us away from where we know to be our truth and to be our source. This message of life that we have, this message of life that we have been given, this source that has changed our lives. And it's not only changed ours, it's changed all of those around us who call upon the name of Jesus. We listen to these commands of men many times and these pressures and these prisons, and we obey them rather than obeying what God has called us to do. And guess who the guiltiest of all is? Just because I have a title at the end of my name does not make me immune from life. Because so many times it's so much easier to listen to the stuff than to obey men or obey God, excuse me. Day in and day out, we, we forget that our whole calling in life is to be just as these apostles were, obedient to the one who gave us life, not to get more. Hear me, hear me when I say this. We're not going to get more, but because of what we've already been given, he deserves our obedience. We have been given this message of life, and I love that's what, how Scripture identifies it because that's exactly what it is. It gives us life and a life abundant, and that's what we have through the cross. You see, I believe the reason we forget about this is because we get so blinded by what the world has to offer, and we forget that everything that we need is in Jesus' Everything we need. Colossians 2.10 says, in him we are complete. And that word complete means perfect. That's crazy. That's what we have in Jesus. We get so consumed to fit into this mold that society creates us, we're willing to chase after that. And spend our energy on that. And our desires on that. Rather than chasing after the one who so drastically chased after us when we were so unworthy of it. You see, this message that the apostles were arrested for, they were tried and they were in prison and beaten and and many times died. This same message that draws yawns, it's the same message that draws yawns today. Yawns. I had to clarify that in the first service. The same message that got these men killed is the same message that draws yawns and eye rolls by God's people today. Why? Because we forget what's been given to us. And it causes me to wonder how this message of life or has this message of life that got these men killed and imprisoned for, has it been changed from then till now? Somehow this message... Uh, that all of us have in Jesus and that we've been entrusted in, in to spread, it, has it somehow lost its power to change hearts and to change lives? I, I'm asking honestly because something ain't right. If it's drawing eye rolls and yawns today by God's people, the same message you got these men killed, what are we missing? Where are we, where are we losing sight of what's going on here? Sometimes we got it too easy. I ain't praying for hardships on nobody. But there ain't no growth on the mountaintops. It's always down in the trenches where things happen. 1 Timothy 4 says this, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Hmm. Kind of see that happening around us now, don't we? We live in a culture now that I never thought I'd see. A lot of you people are a lot older than I am and have seen lots of crazy things. But in my 45 years of life, and I had another one yesterday, I can feel it today too, man. That one year makes a difference. <laughs> of course, Stacy had me in the attic for three hours yesterday, you know, honey doing. I got to do better on all that kind of stuff. But we've, seen, we've seen so many things happen, but I've never in my 45 years seen things happen as blatantly as they are now. This culture we live in now looks a lot like what the apostles were facing back in the day, and I think it's getting worse. The message of the cross is being drowned out. It is. This, this message of Jesus that changed lives so much back then is, is now being limited to two days a week, if that. We can have Jesus on Wednesdays and Sundays, but you know the rest of the time is mine. I ain't messing with all that stuff then. I'll give you my two days a week and then I'm going to the house. This message of life and truth, it doesn't want to be heard. As I said earlier, truth is a lonely place. You start speaking truth, you're going to find out real quick what people are about. And I even read last week that a church in Canada was fenced off and chained. Hear this. This ain't far from here. Fenced off with panels of chain link fence and chains Shut down because they had Easter services in the midst of a health crisis. Shut down. You see, this movement of God, guys, I believe even in the darkness, there's light shining. I believe that there's a movement of God taking place right now on the back burner. I believe something big is taking place. But anytime we see this movement of God, we're going to see all the power of hell come against it, and that's what we're seeing. That's what's in front of our eyes. That's what's on the news. That's what we hear. The power of hell to distract us and to get us to obey the things of men other than that of God. And we're becoming captive to these prisons that are being surrounded around us. We may not feel it always, but you know about emotions, right? Emotions will lead you astray. Emotions and feelings will lead you astray. We may not always feel it, we may not even see it, but the truth states that Jesus is working all things for his glory. Listen to this, talking about the movements of God taking place all the time. Romans eight 28, y'all know it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, here it is, to become conformed to the image. That's a process, right? That's sanctification, Justification happens at salvation. Sanctification is a lifelong process, that change. That means God's moving something. It means He's refining, He's moving and shaking. He is doing something in the lives of his people, and guess what? The enemy don't like it. He don't want us to be conformed to the image of the Son, because then we can stand in the face of persecution and say, "You know what? I obey God rather than men do what you want to. You ain't going to stop me. You know the most powerful person in the world? those who don't fear death. You get somebody ain't scared to die? Dude, you ain't stopping them. These men weren't afraid of it because they knew where their eternity was gonna be spent. You see, folks, I believe that God is doing something. And if that's the case, If we believe what Romans 8.28 says, that we are being conformed, something's happening, let's just imagine for a moment what it would look like if we were as Peter and these apostles and stood in the face of persecution and said, I'm obeying God rather than men. What would that look like for this? Not only for us as individuals, but for this family that we have been saved into, that Jason's been preaching so eloquently about us being saved into something bigger than ourselves, a community, what would that look like? for the community of God to say, we're obeying God rather than men. Imagine what it would look like if at all costs, once again, if we weren't afraid to die, because ultimately that's, the, that, that's what we, we all fear. If we knew at all costs and we believed at all costs that what Jesus had done for us as his children was in fact enough for us. Imagine how the kingdom of God would look and how his church would flourish. Would it say that the church was being added to in multiples? Multitudes were being added to the church if these things were still taking place today? Once again, not to get more, but because of what we have been given in Jesus, man. So good. As I said, to be completely honest with you, I can share this because I struggle with it as you do. Man, I fail at this more times than I even care to admit. And when I say that, it means standing on what I know to be true. In the face of all the stuff going on, I fail to stand in that place. I'm moved and shaken by the things going on around me, just as you are. But that does not negate the fact, the very truth that what we have and the ability given to us by Jesus is the same as it was back then. Nothing's changed. It says that we're his chosen generation. Those of us in Christ, his royal priesthood, we are recipients of his promises, not the world's. We are these broken vessels. We are these broken vessels that he is molding and making into the image of his son. Man, come on. We are healed and we are sealed by his love to be the hands and the feet that he saved us to be. And guys that don't mean warming a pew. It's great that everybody comes to church. But you know what? The movement of God to take place outside the walls as well. Amen. To obey Him rather than the commands and the intentions of men, and once again, to stand firm on who Jesus is and what we've been transferred to. I love that verse that says, we've been rescued, saved, pulled from. Come on, we have been rescued from the domain of darkness and he didn't just just pull up just rescue us from that. It says he moves us, he transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's who we are. A new creation, holy and completed by the one who gives us all things freely. This is the message of life, man. Romans 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. We know what happened to Paul beheaded by Nero, right? But he can still write, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, but to us who are being saved, sanctification, It is the power of God. And in John 14, 6, man, I am the way, such simple words. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Guys, there's a world around us who needs to hear these things that we have, who need us to stand firm in the face of persecution, who need us to claim out that we will obey God rather than men. See, as I said earlier, I believe God is moving in this family because that's why the gates of hell are coming against it. But what does Scripture say about that? Will not, will not prevail, right? God's kingdom is being furthered. Do not, and hear me when I say this, and remind me of this too, do not give the enemy a foothold in this place. If it does not line up with this, then it is a lie. I almost said something I shouldn't have said. <laughs> that would have been something to apologize for on Monday. Don't give him a foothold. If it doesn't line up with this, is it a lie? It's a lie. Call it what it is and treat it as such. We as chosen followers of Christ are the living testimonies of our Jesus. Our words, our actions, our interactions, our inactions all either show Jesus. Or they show the world. Stand firm in what you know, folks. Let's stand firm in what we know. Let's obey God rather than men. Amen. Heavenly Father, I come to you thanking you, Jesus, for this day. God, thanking you for being faithful. Father, faithful to see your promises carried out in your people. God, faithful to, uh, to be standing beside us, doing life with us, God, when we so don't deserve it. God, faithful to give us the strength and the boldness to uh, to stand in, in the things that you have called us to. God, faithful to love us when we're so unlovable. God, faithful to your promises for your children. Help us to be like these men that we read about, Father, because I know the power of the cross is still the same. Help us to be like these men. To stand in front of the bars that the enemy tries to put us in and say, you know what, I'm going to obey God rather than men do what you want to. Help us to find our hope in that. Not the things around us, not the things we read or hear or see. But to find our hope in who you are, what you're doing, and who we are in you. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this family. Father, I pray blessings over it. in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's worship.